Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of Believe in the Pac 12 is brought to you by My Bookie. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or just keep walking? Of course you take that money. So why would you keep picking winners and not bet on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. The other day, a group of my friends and I were hanging out, arguing about football games. And as I was arguing with them, I realized something. I was making really, really good points. But just sitting there arguing was pointless because I wasn't winning any money off of this. Now, just like you, or I hope just like you, I love winning money. And winning an argument is one thing, but applying the same logic to win money, well, that's a whole nother thing. So I did what any smart person would do, and I went to my bookie. Let me tell you, winning a three-team parlay feels way better than winning an argument with one of my friends. At the end of the day, it's about doing what's smart, and the smart thing, if you're going to bet this football season, is to bet with my bookie. Use my promo code REPLY to activate the offer. That's promo code REPLY, R-E-P-L-Y. Visit mybookie.ag today. That's mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. After a quick audio detour, Ryan Leaf and I will be back with some Pac-12 football. What a week two it was for the Pac-12. Welcome, everybody. To Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network, LA's number one podcasting network for professionals. My name is Jonathan Rifkind. I'm joined with my esteemed colleague, Ryan Leaf. We have a lot to get to, Ryan. The Pac-12 became a little bit more intriguing this week. But before we get into it, you were up in Pullman. You received a really distinguished honor. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, Jonathan, it was was a pretty special uh, weekend for my family and I. Uh, being inducted into the college, uh, into the Washington State Hall of Fame. Uh, my family was there. Coach Price was there. Uh, a lot of my old friends. What was really cool, too, was there were a couple other inductees that were from my time uh, back when I was in school from 94 to 97. Stephanie Packey, who played on that wonderful volleyball team that, that made it to four consecutive NCAA tournaments. And Rod Commons, who was our SID, uh, who really walked me hand in hand through this whole this whole crazy world of, of, you know, the media at the time. And then to be able to celebrate it uh, on the day of the game with my family, my son, I took him down on the field and, and it just, uh, uh, really, really glad I got to share it with the people that I love. And, and now I can get back to doing what I, I, I want. And that's telling, telling stories rather than being the story about this, this great conference and this great game of college football. Absolutely. Congratulations, Ryan. What an honor. And it's a pleasure to be able to co-host with you. This is this is really special. So, um, like you said, let's get into what you love now, some Pac-12 football. The Pac-12 was interesting because they only lost twice this week, except for Washington, um, because they lost to Cal. But at a conference, it was just UCLA, and it was just Oregon State. 
Now, we don't have to go into the Oregon State game too much because I think we talked about this last week in our preview of Week 2. But Oregon State was probably meant to lose that game. They're not a great team. They don't really have a lot of offensive fluidity outside of Jamar Jefferson. But they did lose to Hawaii 31-28. to Hawaii is now 2-0 against the Pac-12. They do have one more game next week against Washington State. Excuse me, Washington. We'll see how uh, how they fare. Maybe they go 3-0 after Washington's loss to Cal. But I want to go to the UCLA <laughs> game to start because I bet the San Diego State win. And, and it's weird because... It almost feels bad. I almost feel bad, excuse me, because UCLA should not have lost that game. They went up early. They looked good. And then everything went sideways. And San Diego State, under Ryan Agnew, a guy who's typically stopped by opposing teams, looked unstoppable. What's your takeaways from this game? Yeah, this, this can't happen. Oregon State can't lose to Hawaii. Arizona can't lose to Hawaii. UCLA can't lose to Cincinnati. US, UCLA can't lose to San Diego State. These teams, this can't happen. Or the conference is just going to be looked upon as a, as a chew toy. It, it doesn't matter. You have to win the football games that are not in the Power Five. If you're not doing it, then there's a problem. What, what, what Colorado was able to do this weekend, that's what you need to see from this conference. If they lose to anybody, I can see it being the Power Five team. But that type of thing can't happen. People were expecting this UCLA team to be much improved this year. I didn't see it happening. I thought they were going to go three and nine. And guess what? San Diego State was one of those three. Now there's a possibility of two and ten, in my opinion. I mean, that was what they looked like the last two weeks is just has been ugly. It's going to be difficult to bounce back. They have to play Oklahoma this week, and then they go to Washington State. There's a really good chance that they start out the same way they did a year ago. Uh, with a big goose egg for a while. And those types of games, that can't happen. You have to win the group of five football games. USC has to beat BYU this week. These are the types of things that happen. I don't care if they're close. I don't care if you beat them by a field goal at the end. You know, USC beating Fresno State in week one, losing their quarterback. As As long as they won. I don't care how they look. Just win the football games. That's all I'm asking. A note on that UCLA game, 36,951 fans, the smallest crowd at the Rose Bowl in 22 years, and now Chip Kelly is 0-4 against group of five teams. That stat is not good for Chip Kelly, it's not good for UCLA, and it's certainly not good for the Pac-12. I think that you can't say that Colorado's comeback against Nebraska sort of offsets UCLA because that's a game UCLA should have won, but down 17-0 going into the third, down 24-14 midway through the fourth and all of a sudden Steven Montez looks like Ryan Leaf in 1997 out there just goes absolutely ham on Nebraska and they end up pulling it out in OT 34 to 31 you talk about a game the Pac-12 needed it wasn't pretty but Colorado really put their foot on the gas and throttled their way to victory yeah with with what what expectations were out there for this Nebraska team and Scott Frost's second year there was a lot of words being thrown around this offseason about this football team and everything like that. So I, I really like uh, this opportunity here uh, in week two and, and how Colorado would do. Um, but don't forget, Colorado was 5-0 and a, uh, a year ago. They beat this Nebraska team a year ago in Lincoln. So I loved that when they were down 17 to nothing, that Steven Montez didn't go into a bucket the rest of the team dealt with adversity, saw the opportunity, found their way through it, 
and, and ended on a good note. I think Mel Tucker knows what he has there. It's a big win for the conference. They need to win games like this against Power 5 opponents. We're going to see some opportunities this week as well for the conference. But this week in particular, that, that was the shiner, I think, the really the, the shining uh, save for this football team when it came to the non-conference. And then when you talk about the conference play, that's that's where we get into what this <laughs> what the chaotic version of this Pac-12 season is going to look like. I mean, yeah, let's talk about this. So I got home from the USC-Stanford game probably at 11.15, and the greatest feeling ever was knowing that there was still football on, and it wasn't even the end of the first <laughs> quarter up in Seattle. I mean, Washington, Cal ended at 1.24 a.m. Pacific Coast time, and you're not a true football fan if you don't stay up and watch that. Cal ended up squeaking by at the end of the game, 20-19 to 19, at 1.20 a.m., Cal won after a two-and-a-half-hour weather delay due to uh, 77 lightning strikes in the area. Washington's offense looked a little bit lost. Easton did not look good in the fourth. They had an opportunity with two minutes to go to come back and win it, and they gave it up on fourth down towards the end of the game. And I think that Cal's defense, number one, you said it last week, Ryan. You said, number one, this is a game that Cal probably, you, you predicted Cal to win if I remember correctly. The defense was good, and Garbers looked like he did when he was in high school at Corona Del Mar down the street from here when he was an All-American first-team route of the CIF. He looked phenomenal. He looked a lot better than he did last year throwing the ball. There were some problems when the pocket would collapse that he would just throw it away rather than uh, you know, trying to t- make a run for it or make an attempt at a receiver. But overall, he was able to lead his team to come back. It's not good for the Pac-12, though, because I think that the conference as a whole needed Washington to win to try and stake their claim up, up in the, uh, the AP polls. Well, you know... My co-host on on my Sirius XM radio show and I were talking, and, and you know this puts pretty much all the onus on on Utah right now. Unless USC is transformed into something, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, you know, you know, I did. I said, Cal, it, they may not be ready to win the Pac-12 North, but they're going to decide who does. And last night was the first shot on on who on deciding who does because giving them that loss this early in the year really puts you dub in a you know in a in a difficult situation and it 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 just thrusts the Cal Bears into the forefront the way they ran the football against that Washington defense the way Garbers kept the ball out of their hands by turning it over this is what Justin Wilcox has been trying to do for the last 2 years installing and implementing a offense that simply does this you limit possessions you don't turn it over and you let the the you know the, the biggest and baddest defensive units uh, in the Pac-12 maybe do their job and simply you know dominate, get the ball back, and and win football games for you. And that's exactly the blueprint he's put in place. He did it a year ago against Washington and Cal, and this year even better. They were able to score with them a little bit more. Chase Garbers is a year more mature, and then the the, the emergence of Chris Brown in the backfield is just going to do wonders for, for Garbers in, in terms of down and distance uh, success leading the rest of the season. Yeah, the tandem of Brown and Dancy uh, combined for 21 carries, rather 24 carries, just about 125 yards on the ground. Two touchdowns for Dancy out of the backfield as well. That's really good if you're a cow because you have an RPO game because Garbers can run. You have two running backs that can run. And Garbers looks more comfortable throwing the ball. And that's really positive if you're Coach Wilcox and Cal. I want to transition over to a team that you alluded to before, the University of Southern California. The savior, Keaton Slovis. He was 
A Kurt Warner product, the offensive coordinator at his high school, Desert Mountain, out in Scottsdale, Arizona, he received one FBS Power 5 offer as a three-star, the only one from USC, uh, and he beat out Matt Fink and Jack Sears in the preseason or during the summer during their camps uh, to get the number two spot. And then he comes in, and he goes 28 for 33 for 377 yards and three touchdowns, and USC finds themselves ranked. So I want to ask you this, Ryan, before we go into the analysis of this game, do you believe that USC deserves this ranking? Um, no, I don't. I, I don't have them in my top 25. I have them just outside the top 25. Let's everybody slow our roll here, okay? This was a Stanford team that didn't have their starting left tackle, didn't have their starting quarterback. Um, you know, I was really pleased with the play of Slovis and what he was able to do and accomplish. But there is a really good chance that this team could be 3-3 three and three in four weeks. So let's just, you know, let's just slow our roll here. If, if, if the USC deserves to be in, Cal deserves to be in, I think, in, in terms of, of what that looks like. We just can't anoint uh, the Trojans because they're USC. And we tend to go that way a lot. Uh, I need to see a little bit more. I need to see a dominating performance uh, backed up here by Slovis at BYU. And then I need to see uh, the three-game stretch that's going to define their season. Utah in a short week on a Friday night. Washington at Washington at Notre Dame. I need to see those three games uh, before I, you know, I'm all in on this USC football team. But I tell you what, they have an amazing opportunity here. No, no other team has this opportunity. They are 2-0 and with a win against Stanford in conference. And then they have a four-game stretch here that is as difficult as anybody else's in the country maybe at this time. When, they're, when it's all said and done, if they're a team sitting at 6-0, and they are in the top ten. They are in the conversation for the college football playoff. They have a weaker six-game schedule to end the season before they would head into the Pac-12 championship. This is an opportunity for this football program to impose their will on this conference and say, hey, everybody, remember us. You know, We're back. We want to be part of this party. It's amazing to think that USC has never been a part of the college football playoff since its inception. This is an opportunity for that. I don't know if they're primetime ready yet. If they do that with a – freshman quarterback at the helm wow wow is all i can say what does a game like this do for the confidence of slovis he came in last week against fresno state he did go six for eight for 56 yards but one of those passes was a 49 yard pass so it's not like he actually was consistently great he had one great pass that accumulated most of his yards but a game like this going against a stanford front seven that was highly touted he beats them he got great protection by his by his offensive line they ran the ball for 115 yards and he was able to hit eight different receivers for 377 yards. What does this do for his confidence? Because I think a confident Keaton Slovis could help USC at least compete with teams such as Utah down the road in Notre Dame, even though that Notre Dame in-conference doesn't matter, but for that national perception of the Pac-12, it does matter. Well, it matters for the, for the you know, if they're just talking about winning the conference. Yeah, but, but USC is about a national brand, and, and they have to compete in and they just haven't done that against the Notre Dame team in the past, even with Sam Darnold at the helm. So I, I do believe it's given him a ton of confidence, right? Of course it has to. To go out and perform the way he did against a very good Stanford defense, Paul, Paulson Odebo is probably the best corner out there. And there were a few times he just he looked like he was controlling that situation really, really well. So it's got to give him a lot of confidence going in. I want to see him build on that, play better. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but but if not equivalent to what he did last week against the BYU team that that is coming off a huge upset uh, at, at Tennessee, 
I don't know how big of an upset we're really going to call it anymore winning at Tennessee, <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was a big win for them. They're coming off and they get to host um, two Pac-12 teams back to back here in USC and Washington. So we'll see what what they're made of, but I want to see some more. I, I just I'm just not ready to go. This is this is overreaction uh, Monday for me. You know, this is this is what people talk about. Everybody sees something happen over the weekend, and then they go bonkers crazy and start spewing out a bunch of nonsense. I'm I'm I've been prone to it myself. I'm trying to be better about it this year. I want to talk about how both those games, how both of those great in conference games, were probably not seen by anybody other than people on the West coast that were dialed in because I was tired. I only made it to halftime of the Stanford USC game. I didn't make it for any of the Cal uh, Washington game. I've had to watch both of them on the plane ride yesterday, flying across country to, to see and be ready for my shows this week, because you know, these, these are games that, that no one's seen. And this was my argument about the 9am kickoff. Imagine how all the eyeballs were on Ohio State, Cincinnati. All eyeballs were on Michigan Army. All eyeballs were on Clemson, Texas A&M for so long. Imagine if you put Cal out there first thing in the morning. I mean, hell, they end up playing until 1.20 in the morning. What's the difference of them getting up and playing at 9 a.m. than it is to finish at 1.20 in the a.m., 4.20 on the East Coast? You know no one saw that. No one saw it, and, except for you, clearly. <laughs> and uh, – and I, I just I, – no one knows what's going on. And I just I, – I don't know why I can't keep going back to this. It's our, the product. USC, you know, Keaton Slowis, people are talking about it because it's USC. But, I, you know, these games need to be in prime time or in a, uh, a place where people can view the great competition in our conference because what we found out this weekend is it's going to be chaotic. Yeah, Utah it's- is the team. Utah USC in two weeks is going to be the game that decides the South. And that game is on a Friday night on ESPN. So hopefully, hopefully the eyeballs will be on it and get a chance to see what this conference has to offer. I mean, you're absolutely right. Just going back to that point about nobody watching 730 on ESPN is not an ideal time because you talk about like everybody on the West Coast can kind of figure out what's going on. But the East Coast, that's where this Pac-12 perception really hangs low. And for USC to play Stanford at 7.30, when it's, it starts at 10, it was really 10.40 on the East Coast when that game kicked off. Nobody, Like you said, nobody really cares. And the region that needs to care is the region that isn't watching these games. So now it's time, like you said, to get these games in a more favorable spot for US, or for, um, for the Pac-12, USC specifically, especially, uh, just so that way they get that national perception. Because Colorado, Nebraska, that was, a, that was a good time for them to play. But I think it was a little bit overshadowed um, by, like you said, some of the games around it, specifically Clemson, uh, Texas A&M, which was right before it. And then, of course, it, we got to it late because of the Army-Michigan um, game that went into double overtime thereafter. So, look, I think you're right. I think that these games need to be timed better. But I, I think that now people are more intrigued. This is a really important spot. Like you said, we talked about last week on Thursday how important Week 3 is going to be for the Pac-12. And now it becomes even more imperative because, like you said, is USC legit? Utah, honestly, they didn't look great against Northern Illinois. They, they won 35-17. Zach Moss looked exactly how we thought he would great. But other than that, I mean, the, the offensive chemistry through the passing game 
wasn't what I thought it would be against Northern Illinois. That was a game up until the fourth quarter. Um, and, and for me, I wasn't super impressed. If Utah plays that way against USC, they're going to lose. If USC, you know, yeah, yeah. stays this way. Yeah, I don't care. I don't, I don't care about that at all. I don't care what a team looks like against the Northern Illinois. I, I care about if you won or not. That's all I care about. I don't care how you look doing it. Uh, for me, that win for USC against Stanford is, is just that. It's a win. Um, you know, you, what did Cal look like against UC Davis? There's no way people thought they were going to walk into Seattle after what UW looked like and Jacob Eason looked like against Eastern Washington and, and thought they were going to do what they did. All I care is if you win the football game. And right now, Utah just needs to win football games. That's all they need to do, period. They are the team that has everything in front of them. If they win by one point against Idaho State this week, I'm still going to pick them over USC. <laughs> I just said they're the better team right now, in my opinion. I have to be shown more from USC. Utah is my team to to, to win the Pac-12 style, uh, and, and they're doing it just like that. Like I picked Minnesota out in the Big Ten to win the West, right? Right. I don't care how they're winning. They're they're winning. They're finding ways to win. There's something about winning ball games than they are losing. And people are like, well, Oregon looks so good against Nevada. I don't care. You blew it against Auburn. Win the football game, right? Win the football game. Oregon State, win the football game. UCLA, win the football game. I don't care how you do it. I don't care how ugly you look doing it. No one takes pictures of W's. No one. And at win the, end, the football games, Pac-12 conference. Yeah, at the end of the day, none of these none of these East Coasters, none of these SEC fans are going out and watching the games. They're just looking for the result. And if the result is a loss, then you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter at the end of the day how good you look, how bad you look. You lose, you lose, and that's what people see because people don't really care about how you know the journey, if you will. Um, and the, the AP poll, the College Football Playoff Committee, they don't care about that as much either. They care about win loss and who you beat. Utah moves up to eleven. What do you think about that uh, as being the highest ranked Pac-12 team? Yeah, it's a good way to close this this week two uh, week two uh, wrap up. I, I I think that uh, let's let's all let's all just begin to accept that that Ryan Leaf top 25 is the authority and all the matter. <laughs> we'll, we'll throw out the AP poll and we'll throw out, we'll wait till the college football playoff committee starts to come Can in. Can you give us right. a little tidbit kind of, of your I'm, top 25? I'm, right, right. So I'm going to be, uh, I get to go out to Dallas here in a couple weeks and be part of the mock uh, college football playoff committee. So I get to see how Very it's all cool. done and playing out. But until that time, I'm going to continue to release my top 25, top 25. I released it today. Um, and my highest-ranked Pac-12 team is Utah at number seven. I have Utah at number seven. I have Washington State at number 16. I have Oregon at number 18. I have the University of Washington at 24. So I have four football teams in the Pac-12 in my top 25. Um, I could see USC. I could see Cal. I could even see Colorado uh, if they continue uh, with what they're doing possibly sneaking in at the top. Uh, there's some really quality football teams that are vying to get into the top 25. Iowa State, North Carolina, um, teams like that. Um, but right now, those are the four I have in place. Uh, my top 10 reads like this. Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State, Georgia, Utah, Wisconsin, Auburn, Notre Dame. Those are my top 10 Pac-12 Right and center there at number seven with Utah. They got the opportunity next uh, in about a week and a half 
to prove prove me right and prove all the skeptics right um, uh, about the expectations of, of that youth team when they battle USC in week four. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Ryan Leaf's official, unofficial top 10. Read the top 25 on Twitter because I think you're going to like what you see a little bit more than what the AP puts out. Pac-12 goes 8-2 in interleague play. Thank you, UCLA and Oregon State, for dropping those games. We're going to be back on Thursday with a preview of the all-important week three. But until then, for Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkin. This is Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.